we're headed in this uh, series, Crazy Train, today. We're talking about anti-social media. Next week is our fall festival. We're going to have inflatables out here, face-painting balloons for the kids. Uh, caricature artist is going to be there. We're all going to have a church-wide lunch after the service. Um, so come next week ready to eat. You're also invited to wear a costume. Let me hear it from the costume wearers who are excited about that right now. One and a half of you, that's fine, but the kids can dress up in a costume as well. Keep in mind, they'll be jumping in the inflatables, so a costume that you don't want to get torn up, but you're invited to dress up next week and have a great time in our first annual fall festival. And then here in the service, we're going to be talking about raising kids in a bullying world. We're going to hear from a psychologist here in our congregation who's going to be sharing about that. Now, if you don't have kids, just to let you in on a little secret, it's not just about kids. We live in a bullying world. And so that's what we're going to be talking about next week, how to, how to get through that. Then November 3rd, surviving workplace drama. Can I hear an amen for that, workplace drama? And then November 10th, redu- reducing financial anxiety. And then November 17th, new announcement here, I have special guest Colby Martin coming. Uh, Colby's a friend of ours. He's the author of Unclobber. And then he's releasing a new book this spring called The Shift about faith changing over time about you questioning and going through a deconstruction and a reconstruction process and rebuilding your faith. And so this is actually the first talk he's going to give based on his new book. I invited him to come out and basically try it out on us and and give us a a talk based on the new book. So you're going to be the first ones to hear that content before he releases the book this spring. So November 17th, we're going to welcome Colby Martin here. Invite friends. These are messages that so many people need and uh, feel free to invite them. So We couldn't play Ozzy, but I do want to quote uh, some lyrics from his song, Crazy Train. And you know, you hear Ozzy Osbourne and you think of biting the head off of a bat or whatever that was back in the day, but you know, maybe sometimes we haven't paid enough attention to Ozzy's lyrics and and what he has to say. And so I'm going to read the lyrics from Crazy Train, skipping the all aboard ha 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 part. We'll get to verse one. Check this out. Crazy, but that's how it goes. Millions of people living as foes. Maybe it's not too late to learn how to love and forget how to hate. Mental wounds not healing, life's a bitter shame. I'm going off the rails on a crazy train. And then verse two, he says, I've listened to preachers, I've listened to fools, no doubt one and the same to Ozzy often. I've watched all the dropouts who make their own rules. And then check this out. One person conditioned to rule and control The media sells it, and you live the role. Ozzy, you might be a prophet, my friend. The song was written in, what, 1980, 81, I think, when he released this song. And so even in an Ozzy song, there's this realization that we are all a part of something bigger. Yes, we all have our own individual lives and our own individual difficulties, but we're not just isolated individuals going about our lives, islands disconnected from everything else. There are larger forces at work in our society that have an influence on us. Our opinions are shaped by forces larger than us. Our view of the world is shaped by forces larger than us. The way we feel, our anxiety levels, our anger levels if you've noticed maybe feeling more anxiety the past few years or anger the past few years, those, those feelings are shaped by forces larger than us. And, and when those messages are continual, when they're omnipresent in, in 24-hour news and in social media, right, you know, at, at our fingertips, 
then, then those messages may have an influence on us far greater than what we realize. Um, there are couples and families who really can't have much of a conversation at dinner anymore because of the emotion around our society, politics and the culture wars. Um, there are people who can't hardly talk to their parents anymore because, because things have changed over the years as, as one of them or maybe both of them have been influenced by these larger forces around us. And at the same time, it, it seems like some of us, if we're really honest, might even have to admit we're almost addicted to these things, aren't we? And to social media and checking our phones, a tech company, uh, Assurian, found that Americans on average check our phones once every 12 minutes. And that's 80 times a day. That's average, 80 times a day. Now, of course, none of us think we check our phones that much, right? I wonder what would happen if we actually kept track. I wonder if we would be surprised by how often we actually do check our phones. They found that 31% of us feel anxiety when we're separated from our phones. How many of you think that number's low? 31%. They, they did find that maybe 60% actually feel some level of anxiety when we are separated from our phones. And so today we're talking about antisocial media, both in social media and in, in the news media in the United States as well, and the effect that that has on us. So you don't have to raise your hands, just a rhetorical question. Do you think that your anger and anxiety level levels have raised over the past two and a half years? No show of hands needed. Do you feel like your anger and anxiety levels have raised over the past uh, two and a half years? What about the last 10 years? That's a harder question because it's gradual. Do you think that you are angrier or more anxious than you were 10 years ago? Harder to answer, but if you just think back, do you, do you kind of feel like, ah, maybe, maybe my emotions have ratcheted up even over the past decade. Now, it's not wrong to be angry. There are things that are worth being angry about. There are things worth being outraged about. Maybe we should be outraged about, about some things in life that we're not outraged about yet. Maybe there are things that we don't know that we should be outraged about. And maybe there are some things that we're outraged about for different reasons. Maybe our anger or anxiety levels are influenced not just by righteous anger, and we really do have a reason to be angry, but maybe there's something else, some larger force at work behind the way we feel. So I use social media all the time. I use it professionally. I've started two churches with social media. I, I love it. It's, a, it's the most powerful communication tool ever created. And, and so I appreciate lots of things about it. And at the same time, there are some concerns that, that, that I have about it as well. Not just me, of course, lots of us. And so first of all, let's, just to start off on a positive note, social media is a powerful tool that can spread positive messages. Here are some examples. It's uh, that time of year when uh, the candy corn comes out. You know, we're approaching Halloween here. Let's take a look at a meme I saw on social media. See if we can find it. How to eat candy corn. Open bag. Pour candy corn into the trash can and then eat a Reese's peanut butter cup instead. I think that's positive. Did, it, did somebody say, aw? Did somebody love candy corn? That, two people love candy corn? Right on, right on. You're welcome here. Welcome home. All right, here's another one. Another positive message on social media. This is an Atari from the 70s and 80s. If you grew up playing this, you need to schedule a colonoscopy. Isn't that helpful? Social media, looking out for our health. Here's another one. 
This is about, you know, networking and having success. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father, prepared to die. Inigo's guide to networking, polite greeting, name, relevant personal link, and manage expectations. It's very helpful. Positive use of social media. Here's another one. Somebody in our congregation posted this one, actually. It's a quote that's best attributed to Frank Outlaw. He says, watch your thoughts. They become words. Watch your words. They become actions. Watch your actions. They become habits. Watch your habits. They become character. Watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Isn't that good? When it comes to social media and, and the news that we consume, man, perhaps, perhaps social media really helped us out here with this quote. Watch your thoughts. Everything else in life comes from that. It reminds me of some things Jesus said, actually, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What we allow into our minds, what we allow into our hearts, it, it gets in there somewhere, and then it comes out in ways that we may not even be fully aware of. Maybe the people around us are very aware of it, but, but we may be blind to it. But it starts with, watch, with watching our thoughts. Psychology Today published a study uh, in an article entitled, Why Social Media Makes Us Angrier and More Extreme. They found that research on face-to-face groups, I have the quote up here, I believe, research on face-to-face groups discovered that discussion among like-minded people radicalizes their average opinion. This is face-to-face, not social media. A group that starts out slightly pro-life ends up more pro-life. A group that starts out anti-guns ends up more so, just for example. And then they found social media are, are more radicalizing than face-to-face groups because they are larger collectives with more sources of information and because in these large collectives there is more likelihood of encountering radical individuals. There's a third reason social media groups are more radicalizing than face-to-face conversation. In a face-to-face group, dissenters can be ignored or expelled, but only with some unpleasantness. On a social media platform, selection has no downside. Just press the mute button, or the block button. Just unfriend me now. And so face-to-face interaction, when we are only having conversations with people who agree with us, that tends to make us more extreme and angrier. When we're only interacting with people who agree with us, but they're, they're finding social media ratchets that up because of these factors. There's anonymity. There are more people with, with a greater uh, percentage of encountering people who are more extreme and more radical. And so social media can create this radicalizing cocoon, this insulated bubble where we are only seeing posts from people who agree with us or maybe people who are, who they, yeah, we agree with them, but they're more out there. And they have a tendency to pull us more out there as well. Maybe that's good sometimes. Maybe sometimes we need to be pulled. Maybe sometimes not so much. But this research, at least, is finding that it makes us angrier and more extreme, generally. And if you think about it, as humans developed, we did not have access to instant information about what's going on on the other side of the world, did we? I mean, if you just think about human development, only in the past you know, 50 years, 100 years, have we had communication where you could get a message from the other side of the world fairly quickly. And so if something terrible happened in you know, a, few, a few towns over... You may not hear about that for a while, 200, 300 years ago. But now we, we are constantly exposed to, in, I mean, incredibly 
negative messages, incredibly painful messages, bad news all the time. I mean, you've ever scrolled through your news feed and they're like, there's an infant left in a hot car and then somebody makes a political comment that just, you're like, what? And you just find yourself like, man, I'm depressed already. Like, you know, that was three swipes and I'm, I feel bad. We didn't have that up until, in, until recently in human development. It seems like our brains are not really equipped with this new reality we live in. A friend a few weeks ago here was telling me about Oculus. Have you heard about Oculus? It's a new program. It's virtual reality. And you can go in and create your own life in Oculus. You put on your VR headset. It can sense your hands. You don't need hand controllers anymore. And you go in and it's like, welcome, Mr. Gear, to your new life. And that's a, that's a new thing that's on the horizon where, you know, if you don't like this life, you can check out. And you can just get into, into, uh, into Oculus. And we've never been faced with these kinds of things before. Obviously, we've seen the way that social media has been used by foreign governments to now influence our elections. The, the controversy with Facebook and Cambridge Analytica, and, and there's, there's been more in the news this week with, with Facebook. And, and, so, and then with cable news. Cable news has essentially created two Americas where conservatives watch Fox News, progressives watch MSNBC, and then CNN is left-leaning. If you're progressive, you probably prefer it more. And, and we know that. Most people in our society are aware of that now. And, and now you can have a conversation with somebody. Has this ever happened to you? Where you're having a conversation with a family member and they say something, and you're just like, where did you even get that? Has that occurred to you? Like how, like where did that even come from? Where did that, are you, are we living in the same world here? The answer is no. We're not, we're not getting the same news, quote unquote, news anymore as Americans. So if you feel like, man, that person's just coming from a different planet. Like, I don't know where they're getting their views because they're, they're consuming a different world of media than you are. We're not living in the same reality. It's painful to admit that, isn't it? But it, it's true. We're not living in the same reality anymore. How can we go on you know, as the United States of America when you have essentially two different medias with their own set of facts bombarding us all the time? And so more of us, I think, are realizing that when it comes to social media or the, the news media, something's going to have to change. We, we're we are at a place where it's clouding our ability to see the truth. It's affecting the way we treat other people. It's affecting families. It's affecting friendships, churches. And something's going to have to give. We can't keep on doing what we're doing. So what can, what can Jesus, as people who want to follow Jesus, what can Jesus help us to see in the time that we live in? Well, first of all, followers of Jesus are committed to the truth. So if you want to follow Jesus Christ, if you want to be a Christian, and there are people who are deconstructing and reconstructing, but one of the basic, I think, uh, foundations we could start with when you want to follow Jesus is Jesus is committed to the truth. Look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. It's the eighth or the ninth commandment, depending on the way that it's counted, the tradition that's counting it. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. It's one of the ten, one of the top ten. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. What does that mean in plain language? You shouldn't, you shouldn't say things about other people that aren't true. If, if we consume biased media that is coming from clearly their own agenda and telling maybe partial truths, 
and leaving others out, what are they doing? Are, are they not bearing false witness against the other half of Americans? And so we start there with honesty, truthfulness. Jesus said, of course, I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. Jesus says in John 8, everybody knows this quote, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you. And so followers of Jesus are committed to the truth. So when your leader says, I am the truth, or the truth will set you free, and we want to follow him, well, that's a commitment on our part. That I want to know what is true. I want to know what's right. I want to know what's good. I want to know what's beautiful. I, I want to know what's just. I want to know what's living for. I, what's worth living for. I want to know what's worth dying for. I want to know what's worth sharing with my family. Passing on to the next generation. But we're surrounded by media through cable news and, and a lot of times through social media. That's just not committed to the truth that is clearly biased. Everybody knows that. And yet, many of us still consume that. So in, in 2016, Vanessa Ortero began publishing uh, what she calls the media bias chart. And this is version five, actually, that you're going to see. And, she, and uh, she was a patent attorney. And uh, she wanted to do something about, as she puts it, our nation's hyperpolarization by helping people understand the news they consume. Just last year, she actually created a company called Ad Fontes Media to study media bias. They use methodology to determine where each media outlet scores in terms of their reliability. So the, the ones that the, and you know, to be honest, I intentionally made it small so you couldn't see it, so you wouldn't get super angry while you're looking at the chart. Because of course, we all think our media is not biased, um, but this is worth going to Google Media Bias Chart. The closer to the top is more reliable. It's more truthful. And then the ones towards the bottom are less reliable in their ability to report facts. And then, of course, you have the, the left-wing bias, and then you have the right-wing bias. And they just plot various news outlets along this chart. And, of course, it just makes everybody mad because we all think that our media is not biased, but, or maybe we, we know the truth, actually. Right? But if you live in this insulated world where you're just consuming media in this quadrant over here, then, of course, everything else is, is you know, biased. It's skewed. You know, if you're, if you're off to the far right, you, you see the AP, the Associated Press, right smack dab in the middle. You think the AP is liberal. It just depends on where you are. If you're way off to the left, you think the AP is just, you know, conservative and milquetoast and they're not speaking out enough. So it's, it, this is really helpful to me, and I'll just speak to myself here. As we find ourselves in this, in this uh, mess, let's call it what it is, this cultural mess that we're in right now as a country, this helps me. And of course, maybe this chart's biased, I don't know, but I, I understand a little bit of the methodology, and I think it's pretty good. I think it's helpful. It helps me to kind of function as a Rorschach test. You know, where you look at the ink blots, and, the, and the, what you see tells you more about yourself than what's actually on the paper. It helps me to kind of plot myself. So I'd, I'd encourage you to Google this, media bias charts, version 5.0. And where do you fall? What news do you consume? And, of course, that places you on the chart. Where are you on the chart? It's just good to know. And then I ask myself, okay, am I getting my news from objective sources, meaning can I really rely on the messages that I'm allowing to put in my brain? Am I watching my thoughts, like Frank Outlaw said, 
or am I just kind of comfortable, insulated, you know, um, cocooned? You remember the commercials a few years ago for Snuggies? Those big, those big like shag carpet blankets that you could wrap around yourself. It was like a shag carpet co- uh, crossed with a monk's robe. You know what I'm talking about? Like right before Christmas, it was like the Snuggie commercials. Am I just in a little Snuggie of my self-comfort? insulated in my media choices and, and everybody else who disagrees with me, oh, I just, I just write them off. Where am I on this chart? So I found it to be helpful. I encourage you to Google it, media bias chart. Do followers of Jesus committed to the truth get our sources, get our news from sources that are not committed to the truth? So we're committed to honesty. Secondly, dividing Americans with biased news is good for ratings and it makes a lot of money. So somebody in one of our connect groups the other week, we have awesome connect groups, by the way, two of them, they just wrapped up. They're incredible. I was a part of some of the sessions. Somebody said in one of those groups, like, uh, uh, Maxim, I just keep in mind, just follow the money. He said, I've learned so much in life by, with that phrase, just follow the money. Who's paying for this? And that leads me often to the bias and to where they're coming from. So it helps to remember that there are people making money from the news I consume that I might feel super passionate about and I feel like I'm right and everybody else is wrong and I want to argue with them and, and I can't even see anybody else's viewpoint anymore. It helps me to remember there are people making a lot of money causing me to feel that way. It's not, it's not by accident. There's intentionality behind this and, and forcefully stating an opinion and appealing to our, our baser tribalistic instincts. It's just good for ratings. And it makes a lot of money. According to Payscale, the average news anchor in America makes $58,964 per year. That's like the, the local news. Sean Hannity is the highest paid host on cable news, of course, Fox News. He makes $40 million a year. His net worth is $250 million. Book deals, whatever else he does. Net worth of $250 million, $40 million a year producing his show. Anderson Cooper makes $12 million a year. Compared to $40 million, doesn't sound like a whole lot, does it? Who would take $12 million, right? That's a lot of money. $12 million. His mother just passed away, of course. He's going to inherit the Vanderbilt estate. He'll be a billionaire. Now, that's aside from the news. But um, Shepard Smith, up until this past week made $10 million a year until he just resigned this week from that network. Rachel Maddow, $7 million a year. Tucker Carlson, $6 million a year. This is in addition to book, book deals and all the other things. So most of the income comes from outside sources. So if you hear $7 million and you're thinking, those poor people, they need to be making more than that. They make a lot more outside of, outside of their show. American media is owned by corporations. CNN is owned by Warner Media. MSNBC is owned by NBC Universal. Fox News is owned by Fox Corporation, co-chaired by its founder, Rupert Murdoch, who is an Australian-born man who now lives in Bel Air. And so when you, when you watch this news, there, there are people making a lot of money from it, which means it's a product. It's a product that you and I, and this is stuff you know, of course, it's a product that you and I are consuming. And so when, when I find myself feeling a certain way, and I don't even know exactly why, I just, 
I'm just I'm swimming in this water, you know, at social media, and I'm, I'm scrolling through the post, and I, I watch something on YouTube, you know, from cable news, and I just feel a certain way. And there are people making a lot of money creating that product that I just consumed to make me feel that way. Now, just in case, I want to say again, am I saying that anger is bad? or that we shouldn't be angry about things that happen in our world, or there aren't things worth being outraged about? Absolutely not. There are things worth being outraged about. Absolutely. The question I'm asking myself is, am I outraged about the right things, or am I just ticked off because I'm consuming a product that people are making a lot of money on? And I want to think a little bit more deeply about what goes into my mind and in my heart. I want to watch my thoughts. And so when I was a kid, I love professional wrestling, and it's not cool to admit that, is it? Especially not you know, a church for thinking, compassionate people. You don't expect to hear the phrase professional wrestling in the church. Oh, man, when Hulk Hogan slammed Andre the Giant in WrestleMania, man, I was hooked. And Macho Man Randy Savage. And, I mean, I just, oh, I love this stuff. It was back in the mid-'80s, and, and uh, it was just a good time. Every single week I watched pro wrestling. And um, uh, there was a promoter, uh, Vince McMahon, who, who – uh, owns what is now WWE, you know, the, the premier professional wrestling organization. And, and back in, I think, the 80s or the 90s, he kind of let the cat out of the bag and said what most people knew already, hopefully everybody, but most people knew that wrestling is not real. It's not a legit sport. And he coined this phrase. He said, we're not, we're not really wrestling. We are sports entertainment. He said, we're sp-. it's a brilliant phrase, sports entertainment. So we're sporty, we're sportish, but we're really entertainment. These guys get hurt, and ladies, they're flopping around in a wrestling ring, and they get hurt, but it's entertainment. It's sportish, sporty entertainment. It's sports entertainment. There's another wrestling promoter named Eric Bischoff, who was uh, in the business for 30 years, and he recently gave a TED Talk on why he believes that American media and politics can be best understood from the lens of professional wrestling. And so I have a couple of clips. One's a minute and a half long, and, and then uh, we'll sh- I'll have a couple things to say, and then we'll show the second three minutes from it. But this is a professional wrestling promoter named Eric Bischoff giving a TED Talk here a couple of years ago on the connection he sees between politics in America and the American news media. Let's watch. Isn't that fascinating? Just that. That minute and a half clip. I had never thought about it from that perspective before. As long as you feel passionately, one way or the other, business is good. If somebody's creating a product and, and really inundating you with that product, TV, YouTube, Twitter, etc., and, and you feel something, business is good. And he said... You know, professional wrestling isn't designed to make people think. It's designed to make people feel. And then it, when I heard him say that here a few months ago when I first found that TED Talk, I thought, hmm, the media that I consume, does it really create a sense of curiosity and thoughtfulness and objectivity in me? Or does it have a tendency to provoke a feeling in me, an emotion, anger, Anxiety. There are some things worth being angry about, but am I always angry about the right things, or is it just because I'm, I've consumed a product 
created by somebody who didn't want to make me think. They wanted to make me feel. And as long as I feel, business is good. All right, let's check out the next. It's about three minutes here, I think, for this clip. Do you find that fascinating? Isn't that an interesting view? And later in the TED Talk, and, and again, in the times we live in, you know, you just have to be careful. I feel responsibility to be careful. We're not telling people how to vote, okay, but we're just talking about the times that we live in. The media does this, and then later on he, he talks about, well, there are some politicians who do this as well. And he goes on to mention, I don't know if you know this or not, the current president is a member of the WWE Hall of Fame. Did you know that? Uh, he, he actually, he's been in wrestling for years. The first time I ever heard the name of the current president was in WrestleMania back when I was a kid. Anybody aware of that? Yeah, he, he's been a part of wrestling since the mid-'80s. And he's, he's shaved Vince McMahon's head in, in WrestleMania. Um, he's taken the Stone Cold Stunner from Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, um, and so our current president, I think, understands how this works. I think he understands media. He understands the heat that Eric Bischoff was talking about, how to, how to work an angle and get people fired up. And then, of course, the media is a part of that as well. I think there's enough money to be made and there's enough uh, power to be gained that both conservatives and pro progressives are getting worked by a system that is essentially wrestling. And we may not be fully aware of that. So I wanted to, to do a little bit more research, and I googled media, politics, professional wrestling to see if there were other people thinking along these lines. Once I got to 32 articles, I stopped counting. Here are some of the titles. Why politics is basically professional wrestling. What the media can learn from professional wrestling. Pro wrestling explains why Trump wins every battle with the media. How professional wrestling explains American politics. Why pro wrestling is the perfect metaphor for Donald Trump's presidency. Make wrestling great again. Why mixing nostalgia and politics works so well. There's something going on that I think thinking compassionate people need to be aware of. If you want to be a free thinker, if you want to think for yourself, that perhaps we need to pull back the curtain a little bit and understand that there is money to be made by intentionally dividing Americans and working an angle that looks an awful lot like two pro wrestlers cutting a promo in each other and then going and doing battle in the ring. It's not about making you think. It's about making you feel. Just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And then finally, the truth. In my experience, I'm going to share that in a second, and I think uh, in Scripture we see this. The truth will help you to be angry at least about the right things and lower your anxiety levels and help you treat other people with respect so we're not part of the problem. That's probably a really clumsy, long sermon point, but I think it's a message that we all need. The truth. Not falling in for, you know, to a pro-wrestling politics and media culture and getting worked. And, but the truth will help us to become angry about the right things and reduce anxiety. And then be able to treat people who disagree with us with respect so that we don't become a part of the problem. And then we can be angry about the right things. So Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 27, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So in your anger, 
do not sin. 26, in your anger, do not sin. So there's a difference between being angry and sinning. There can be a, a, a non-sinful kind of anger. There can be a righteous anger. There are things worth being angry about. And then he says, do not let the sun go down while you're angry and do not give the devil a foothold. What's he talking about here in human relationships as he's writing to this group of Jesus followers in a city called Ephesus in the ancient world? He's saying there's, there's, a, there's something worth being angry about and at the same time we need to put off falsehood and, and speak the truth. What is true? What's real? Not just a media creation, not something that a politician wants me to believe, but what is real. And speak the truth to each other and, and not become sinful in our anger. Because if we do, if we let that anger continue unresolved, not work through, it gives the devil a foothold. I'm sure some of us have questions about the devil and questions and doubts welcome and you can express your faith and doubts. But the point he's making here is, when we, when we allow ourselves to become angry just because, and we don't even know why, maybe we're not even outraged about the right things. You know, we, we, recently there was a little bit of reporting that 86,000 children in Yemen were starved to death in a conflict with Saudi Arabia, and, and the Saudi Arabians are using weapons that are being supplied by your tax dollars to make that happen. Very little reporting on that in the United States. Maybe there are things worth being outraged about, and we're not even aware of them. And at the same time, well, all the anger and anxiety I feel, is it all legit or is some of it pro-wrestling? So we don't want to give the devil a foothold. So about three years ago, kind of, you know, you go through phases in life. About three years ago, I had a time where I was reevaluating. And, and I just wanted to step back and... Uh, and take a look at what I believe, my, in my own sources of information, where I am on the, in the chart, you know, and just generally speaking. What do I believe? How do I act? How do other people perceive me? And I started believing that I had been overly influenced by particular slanted media. And I just want to be somebody who seeks the truth. Because I believe that's what we all should do. And, and I came to see that I was kind of oblivious to how that happened. I got kind of sucked into it slowly and kind of got dragged onto the crazy train. And, and I wanted to do something about that. And that's been an ongoing journey in my life. And so even recently, a few weeks ago, I decided that, that I wanted to eliminate clearly biased media from my consumption. So that chart that we looked at earlier, I looked at the, the media that I was consuming. And I thought, you know what? It's biased. I know it is. I didn't need the chart to tell me that, but the chart just kind of held up a mirror, and I see that. And if followers of Jesus want to be committed to the truth, and I want to do that, then why would I expose myself to people who are not committed to the truth? Why would I do that? And so just a few weeks ago, I uh, deleted a lot of cable news apps on my phone, and uh, I want to show you what my news, uh, my news folder looks like on my phone now. And so I just picked from that center line, you know, up at the top of the media bias chart and the BBC and ABC, Wall Street Journal, Business Insider. I kind of straddled a little bit, too. There's a little bit of right lean, a little bit of left lean, just a little bit, though. AP News, NPR, PBS, Reuters. Now, once again, some people see those apps, those are all liberal. Well, that tells, tells you where they are. 
There are some people who see these, those are all, they're just cowards. They don't speak out about our, our culture enough. You know, they, think it's, they think they're too conservative. It tells you where they are. And so I've only put more objective news sources on my phone. And let me share what's happened. I'm still getting news. I'm still getting stories that I think, man, that's worth being outraged about. I see stories, man, we should care more about that. I see what's going on in our society. Here's what I'm not getting. I'm not getting wrestling. I'm not getting a talking head telling me how to feel without me even realizing it. It's a big difference. I've, no, I've noticed a big difference in my life. We don't have cable news on in our home. I, wa- I don't even watch TV anymore. I watch YouTube. Any stories that come from cable news, I, I don't watch them. Anything on Twitter, I don't read the article. I don't click on it. And when I say that, I'm talking about Fox News, MSNBC, and CNN. And maybe, maybe you love one of those, or maybe you don't. I don't know. But all three of them are biased to varying degrees. But all three of them are, at least I believe. And so I eliminated them from my news consumption. And maybe that will go on forever. Maybe it won't. And I, I kind of created a cable news fast. And it's, it's been working out pretty well for me. I feel like I'm informed, but I'm not following wrestling. I want to challenge you to do something. This series is four weeks old, or four weeks long, sorry, and then we're going to have Colby. I want to challenge you if you would be willing to try something along with me, and I'm going to keep on doing this as well. Would you be willing to join me in a four-week cable news fast? Would you be willing to do that on your phone? To go into your news app, or if, if that's how you, you know, store your news, and, and go in and eliminate CNN, MSNBC, Fox News from your phone, and eliminate it from your TV viewership, eliminate it from YouTube, Twitter, don't click on any links from those cable news outlets. It's tempting. Oh, I know, it's tempting. You've got to be careful. But would you be willing to join me in that? I'm going to put you on the spot. If you would be willing to join me, and a four-week cable news fast. Would you be willing to raise your hand? Would you join me in that? Would you join me in that? And here, now here's, thank you. Now here's, and if you don't feel like you should, that's fine. But I want to guarantee you something from my experience. I still get news. I still know what's going on. There's plenty to be outraged about. I want you to hear me. I'm going to close. There's plenty to be outraged about. All right? but I'm not having other people making me feel a certain way without me even realizing it. That's the difference. I have the opportunity to think for myself and then take action. And I'll close with this. If you find yourself being greatly disturbed by our current situation, I want to remind you something of something. Dictators cannot survive in an atmosphere of truthfulness and objectivity. You know that, don't you? Dictators can't survive in an atmosphere where, pe- where the society is committed to the truth because the truth will set you free. Amen, brothers and sisters. And a dictator is, is trying to take away your freedom, but the truth will set you free. And so how, what is the best thing you could do to join in in protecting the United States from a dictatorship, commit to what? Truthfulness and objectivity. 
when a wannabe dictator uses propaganda, lies to get you to believe a certain thing, and, and those are, those are in, in, you know, just thrown at you through all the media that, uh, that we consume. How do we counter that propaganda, those lies? Do we counter it with propaganda of our own? Do we say, oh, that's biased. I'm just going to counter that with my own biased one-sided information. Is that how we do it? When we encounter propaganda, what do we, what do we counter it with? With the truth. So if you are concerned about where we are and you want to take action and you believe that, that we need to be informed citizens and there are things worth being angry about and outraged about and you want to be a part of that and you'll be a part of the solution and not the problem, I would suggest that Jesus is right. The truth will set you free. And I invite you to commit to truthfulness and objectivity.